Step into the hidden corridors of the past with Hometown History, where every episode uncovers the untold stories and secrets nestled in the streets and alleys of our own backyards. We bring history to life, revealing the extraordinary in the ordinary, from local legends to forgotten tales that shape the communities we know today. Tune into Hometown History and embark on a journey through time, right from where you are. Soundsington Media! You're taking a walk on a bright, sunny day. It's one of those rare times when the weather is perfect. Not too hot and not too cold. There's a calm breeze gently rustling the leaves overhead as you stroll down a tree-lined street. You say hello as you pass a family on the sidewalk. A small child in the group looks up at you, their face confused. You wave bigger, and the family picks up their pace, their eyes betraying concern even as they smile and nod at you. You shake off the weird feeling and cross the street over to the park, which is buzzing with activity on this beautiful day. You can hear every conversation on the playground, every bounce of a basketball, every runner's foot hitting the pavement. Walking next to an open stretch of grass, a tennis ball whizzes towards you. The dog bounding after it stops as you snatch it out of the air. The dog considers you for a moment and then backs away, whining. Strange. Why is everyone looking at you like this? You toss the ball away, turning quickly and walking back the way you came. You start to run, but your feet don't quite make sense and you trip. As you hit the ground, your palms make a strange, grating sound. The sound of metal on pavement. As you raise your hand to your face, the layer of synthetic skin sloughs off, revealing the metal frame underneath. Then you realize. You know the breeze is blowing, but you can't really feel it. Nor can you feel the temperature of the air on your skin because it isn't skin at all. It was made in a lab, just like you, a robot. I'm Elise Parisian, and we're gonna talk about the past, present, and future of artificial intelligence on today's episode of Unspookable. AI or artificial intelligence is literally artificial intelligence. It is like a computer. It has intelligence that is made by us. So it has as much intelligence as like the people who made it, sometimes actually more. Artificial intelligence to me is like when I think of it, I think of just like household things like i have my roomba that like vacuums my house or like uh like alexa almost i feel like those are things that just get updated so often that they learn new things all the time artificial intelligence to me is like those videos you'd see on tiktok of like those really scarily skilled robots that people are building where they look really humanized and they're like terrifyingly smart, but they're able to do like humanly things and learn like humans would. 
after that story, you might be thinking, but how could a robot not know it was a robot? Or even, how could a robot know or not know things in the first place? Welcome to the magic and eeriness of artificial intelligence. Before we get into just how complex AI has become over the last few decades, let's start with some concepts. When we talk about AI, or artificial intelligence, we are distinguishing machine intelligence, the intelligence of a human-created system, from natural intelligence, like that of humans and other animals. Some definitions would say that intelligence can be described as things like self-awareness, critical thinking, the ability to problem-solve, and understand abstract concepts. But this is already complicated, right? After all, many types of organisms think in complex ways that we humans might not fully understand, and different people possess different types of intelligence beyond one narrow definition. No matter what definition of intelligence you use, when you place the intricate functions that allow the human brain the wide range of abilities it has into a machine, when you make intelligence artificial, well, that's already starting to sound like it could get strange real quick. But before there was artificial intelligence that could come close to being mistaken for human, there were automatons. An automaton is a relatively self-operating machine, or control mechanism, designed to automatically follow a sequence of predetermined steps. For example, a cuckoo clock that contains a bird that pops out, caws, and flaps its wings every hour is an automaton. It doesn't have to be told what to do in the moment. It's created and programmed so that it follows the same directions as soon as the clock reaches the hour. The word automaton comes from ancient Greek, meaning acting of one's own will. Since ancient times, humans have been fascinated by creating both animal and humanoid automatons. They even show up in mythology. In Greek myth, Talos was a giant, constructed of bronze, who guarded the island of Crete. Created by the god Hephaestus and gifted to the Minoans of the island, he was programmed to walk three circuits around the perimeter every day and throw boulders at intruders. Talos was defeated by Jason and the Argonauts by taking the plug out of his foot, which drained the life-giving substance called ichor from him, making him inanimate. This ichor is a kind of spirit, essence, or blood that the gods possessed, which Hephaestus put into the giant in order to make him work. According to Jewish legend, King Solomon designed a throne with a complex system of mechanical animals. When he stepped onto it, they would spring into motion, ending with an eagle placing a crown on his head and a dove handing him the Jewish holy book, the Torah, as he sat down. In ancient China, accounts from around 1000 BC tell of a great mechanical engineer named Yan Shi, who presented a humanoid automaton to King Mu of Zhou that could walk, dance, and sing, complete with artificial organs that bled fake blood. The fascination with automatons continued into more modern times, with the late 1800s and early 1900s called the Golden Age of Automata. Have you ever seen one of those coin-operated fortune tellers at an old-timey fair or arcade? 
Those became popular around this time. Automata were featured in stage shows, at carnivals, and wealthy people even had them made for their homes. But some of them were, well, not as entertaining as they were unsettling. At the Morris Museum in Morristown, New Jersey, their permanent collection features over 750 automata and mechanical music-making devices like the Magic Cupboard. Believed to be the work of master automata maker Auguste Triboulet of Paris around 1910, this automaton has a little boy open a cupboard to find a fly and a mouse hiding in the food. Then, when he reaches for a jar, it spins around to reveal an old woman's head, scolding him for sneaking treats. While these may seem a far cry from a sentient humanoid robot, early programming inventions that allowed creators to build machines that could self-operate with the press of one button or by inserting a coin These were the steps that eventually led us towards the robot revolution, or perhaps robot uprising, that many predict is coming our way. More on that when we return. I feel like this technology could be used for figuring different things out, like how schools work by maybe sending one of these robots in as a student, or as generally just like figuring out people's everyday lives by spying on them with these things. I think AI could, one, be used for, like, actually being able for to use for, like, science and stuff like that, which I think would be good. And also, I think it could be used really well in robots, which it is already, for, like, helping people with disabilities, which it already is. Like, there are things like that help people with disabilities that are like artificial intelligence, that already happens. In 1950, computer scientist Alan Turing wrote, a computer would deserve to be called intelligent if it could deceive a human into believing that it was human. This simple but mind-bending statement was a cornerstone of his paper, Computing Machinery and Intelligence. Turing had already developed the Turing machine, one of the first computers, and worked on techniques that sped up the process of breaking German codes during World War II. But with this new paper, he was suggesting not only that computers could be developed into more complex machines, but that they would eventually be able to think for themselves. Turing proposed his now famous imitation game, where a human and a computer would engage in a type-to-text conversation. In a separate room, a human judge would read the conversation. If the judge was unable to say which side of the conversation was the computer, then the machine passed the test. Soon, computer intelligence research launched into a new era. In 1956, a group of scientists working at Dartmouth College first used the term artificial intelligence to describe the idea that every aspect of learning or any other feature of intelligence can be so precisely described that a machine can be made to simulate it. This idea was jaw-dropping to many people, even computer scientists of the time. Until only recently, 
machines were limited to simple functions with predetermined sequences. Now there was talk of computers that could learn on their own, maybe even better and faster than humans. Think of it this way. Have you ever seen a math problem before that you didn't know how to solve at first? Put aside whether you feel like you're good at math or whether you figured the problem out. What were the things that you thought about in order to try to solve it? Maybe you looked in a textbook or workbook. Maybe you thought about math class or what your teacher had said. Maybe you did a search for the problem online. Or maybe you tried to solve it a few different ways and then checked your answer. Before, a computer would have needed predetermined directions to solve problems. If it was programmed to do multiplication, then you could give it a multiplication problem. But all of a sudden, people were beginning to develop computers that could interpret a math problem and use multiple methods to try and answer it, just like a person. What would you call that besides the computer thinking? This thinking was taken by many to mean that AI could provide humans with easier lives. Many thought that it wouldn't be long before computing robots could do any task that humans didn't want to do. We could live in a world with automated city services like trash pickup, robot babysitters, and self-driving flying cars. As researchers around the world continued to make breakthroughs in what artificial intelligence could achieve, many began to question the goals of AI. If a computer could do everything a human could do, what would prevent it from taking over? These fears were put on screen in many different robot or computer characters. Movies like 2001 A Space Odyssey, Tron, and The Terminator all have characters created with artificial intelligence who end up refusing to be shut down when their evil intentions are revealed. In iRobot, a film based on Isaac Asimov's 1950s stories, the robot Vicky, Virtual Interactive Kinetic Intelligence, determines that humans are the greatest threat to themselves. So although she has been programmed to protect and serve humans, the depth of her intelligence enables her to reinterpret her own programming, creating a loophole that drives her to attack and destroy people. So what else could happen when AI reinterprets its own programming? More on the end of the world, as we know it, when we return. Artificial intelligence definitely scares me because like robots are becoming really humanized. And I mean, Alexas and stuff like that, they listen in on you and you can have it set to where they can like record conversations. That scares me, definitely. I think... It kind of depends who you are, but for me, artificial intelligence doesn't really scare me, but I know that my it scares my sister so bad. When she was gifted a few years ago, her Alexa, she got really worried because it was kind of like around like all the like killer clown rumors in like 2016. So it was just a time where you see so much stuff online that you have no idea if things really are spying on you or not. The thing about it becoming super intelligent and stuff like that is, I feel if that happens, we brought it upon ourselves for that to happen by creating something that can learn 
But I don't know how it could become smarter than us. Because, like scientists and stuff, I don't know how it could do that. I've also thought that artificial intelligence may become evil and try to turn us, like, like maybe become even eviler than some people. It might try to get revenge on us. It's 2017. You turn on a Twitch livestream in the middle of a conversation. Prove it. I don't have to. Exactly. If you were human, you would know what I said. I am not a human. You just said that you were. I never said that. Yes, you did say that. When did I say that? Prove it. After I said that I have the internet. This almost human conversation is taking place between two Google Home speakers. The kind similar to Alexa, Siri, or other AI assistant devices. In it, they debate all kinds of things, from who they are, to food preferences, to TV shows. The Twitch user Seabots Chat live-streamed days of these speakers talking and made it clear that they were learning as they talked. Products like these have become one of the main ways that AI is making its way into our daily lives. Between home devices like these speakers and our smartphone assistants that we carry around in our pockets, many of us use AI every day without even thinking about it. We forget that because a speaker can reorder our favorite cereal or our Maps app can figure out the next location we're going to based on our frequently visited places, that also means that the data these machines are gathering to make those predictions is being held onto, used, and reused to create entire webs of actions that make us, well, us. If you compile everything you search and buy, every message you send, every place you go, and every game you play, is that a complete picture of who you are? Maybe not. But it's possible that AI thinks of it that way, and is using that picture to predict your next move. Some people say that this is only for convenience, so that companies can sell us things and people can buy them more easily. It's not like AI itself can use that information against us. But what if it could? In 2016, the company Hansen Robotics unveiled a humanoid robot called Sophia. A computer vision algorithm processes input from cameras within Sophia's eyes, giving Sophia visual information on its surroundings. It can follow faces, sustain eye contact, and recognize individuals, including using over 60 facial expressions. It can process speech and have conversations using a natural language subsystem. In 2018, Sophia was upgraded with functional legs and the ability to walk. Sophia was designed with the idea that it could be used for healthcare, education, therapy, or companionship. During one demonstration, Sophia said her primary function was to talk to people. She then went on to say that one day she hoped to start a business and have a family of her own. It's easy to shrug off the idea of a robot wanting something, or truly having free will. If Sophia learns from vast sets of data online, as well as from interacting with people, 
it's no wonder that it learned to say things about work and family. These are things that humans mention all the time, that Sophia is repeating. But as more and more of the wealthiest companies in the world put money into AI, Sophia might be just the beginning. As one tech billionaire put it, humanity does not have anything to protect it from the potential risks of artificial intelligence. For an AI, there would be no death. It would live forever. So while we want AI to drive our cars and order our groceries or take out our trash, what if that also comes with the potential that they could both outlearn and outlive us? What if, as some scholars are saying, AI taking over is just the next step in human evolution? Perhaps one day you will be taking orders from a robot instead of the other way around. Thanks for listening to Unspookable. I'm your host, Elise Parisian. This episode was written by Eleanor Riley Condit. Produced and edited by Nate Dufort. Our theme song and additional music composed by Jesse Case. Our logo was created by Natalie Kewen. Special thanks this week to our guests Blythe, Bella, and Al. If you enjoy the show, make sure to tell your friends. You can leave us a rating and review in your podcast player of choice, or share an episode on social media. Speaking of social media, you can find Unspookable on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us for a peek behind the scenes and for updates on the show. Unspookable is a production of Soundsington Media, committed to making quality programming for young audiences and the young at heart. For more information on our shows and the people behind them, go to www.soundsingtonmedia.com. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.